Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I wonder if you've ever known somebody who just kind of claimed at being good at everything. Uh, if some of you, if you're kind of friends with me, you're probably like, well, isn't that you, Kellen? Kind of, okay. Um, I probably claim to be better at more things than I should. Uh, but there are, there are those who sometimes, it just seems like they, they claim like they're really good at lesson. It can kind of go one of two ways. One of the ways is they actually can be really good at everything. And that person is incredibly annoying. Because they're just good at everything. Uh, was, we've been watching some movies the last couple days with my girls. And Jamie Foxx was in one of them. Jamie Foxx is astounding to me. I mean, the guy is really funny. Uh, he's been a great actor for a long time. And then he gets in this movie about Ray Charles. And like the guy became Ray Charles. And he can sing. And he can do all this stuff. And it's just it's kind of annoying. Justin Timberlake. There's a reason why guys my age in high school hated Justin Timberlake. Because he was awesome. He is good looking. He could sing. Now he can act. And he's really funny. Anytime he goes on Jimmy Fallon. Also, like, it's just annoying. And it's so annoying because he's so cool that you can't really hate him. Uh, we are watching Spider-Man movies the last few nights. My girls hadn't watched it. And so they were watching. And they're fans of Zendaya. Zendaya or Zendaya. I don't know how you say it. Okay. But they're watching her. And they're just like, Dad. She's so pretty, and she, she can act, and she's a really good singer. I'm like, yeah, I know. People like that are annoying, right? They're like, no, she's awesome. All right, whatever. Um, but we, we see people like that that are just talented like that, and it's, it's fascinating to, to see that kind of talent. And all you can do is just kind of, I'll be honest, I told the worship team, I had one of those nights last night where sometimes I'll start watching YouTube videos of of musicians and just their music. And I got into a thing of watching Michael Jackson videos. And the guy can just, he could dance and sing like nobody else. And, and then all of a sudden it's like 1230. I'm like, I got to preach in the morning. So I tried to go to bed. Um, but talent is so cool to see when you really see it. Uh, but then you've got other people who they're like, yeah, I'm really good at things. And they're not. They're not at all. And, and one thing for me as a basketball coach and a basketball player, I've grown up and I've, I've got this ability now in about three seconds, I can tell if somebody actually can play the game of basketball or not. Um, again, my girls, they, they loved the movies, high, the high school musical movies. And every time I watch those, Zac Efron, every time he has a basketball in his hands, I cringe. I'm like, this guy cannot play the game, and they're trying to make it look like he can. Drove me nuts. But there was this one girl who, she came and moved into uh, our town when I was coaching girls basketball. And moves into town. She's like a freshman or sophomore. And, and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at basketball. I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. And I was like, I'm getting really excited. And then I saw her play at open gym. And in four seconds, I'm like, no, she in fact cannot play basketball. <laughs> Stink. I was so excited. Um, there, there, was, <laughs> there was this Saturday Night Live skit a long time ago. Uh, the character was one of my favorite characters of all time, a character called Penelope. And Penelope was one of these characters where every time that somebody was saying something, she would butt in and be like, I do that even better. There was this one time a lady was talking about her kitten having a litter of kit, her cat, like giving birth to kittens the night before. And she walks in, she's like, oh yeah, I gave birth to a litter of kittens last night myself. And she's like going on, and it sounds really stupid, but it was really funny. I got to be honest. But people like that who, who say, yeah, I'm really good at stuff, and they're not, it's, it's also kind of annoying. Um, but there is one thing that 
we should all be good at. We can't all be good at everything. Bottom line, we can't. I am so grateful for people in this church who come in and they, they are really good at stuff. Uh, people that can do maintenance that I can't do maintenance. People that can, can decorate that I can't decorate. People that can do kids ministry and I don't really, I'm, that's not my thing. I'm so glad that there's people who are gifted in other things. But there's one thing that every single one of us should at least be proficient at. And the Bible makes it really clear. The one thing that none of us can, can choose to be bad at or be okay with being bad at is love. It's just something that we have to have. And so we're starting this new series titled, What is Love? And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 a lot of the time during this series. Maybe you think you already know love really, really well. And you're already really good at it. Truth is, is there's probably something that every single one of us could learn about this. And obviously, 1 Corinthians 13, if you know about it, it is called the love chapter. It's, it's usually said at weddings, and it's just, it's about love. And I think a lot of times we look at it and we're like, I, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time, whatever. I got this. But maybe there's some refreshers that we, we all need. I think there's some important questions that 1 Corinthians 13 brings up. Particularly the first three verses, which are the verses that we're going to look at today. Does it matter how much good you bring into the world if love is not the most prevalent thing in you? Does it matter how much people look at you and respect you and your accomplishments if love isn't the thing that you are defined by? See, I think God has a different meaning or a different measuring tool for success than people usually have. We define success in so many different ways and so many of those ways are not the way that God defines success for us. And so... Looking at these first three verses in 1 Corinthians 13, I wonder if maybe we can start to see what that measuring tool looks like a little bit more, the way that God measures success. And so 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, here it is. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, what I want to do is I want to, when we start off here, I don't want to just go ahead and, okay, this is where we're going to start from. I think we're going to miss some context if we actually don't look at the verses that preceded this in the end of chapter 12. It's really important for us to know, okay, what has Paul been saying? So let me read that. It's about five verses here before we get to verse, uh, chapter 13. Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer he's saying to all those things is no. We are not all good at everything. We don't have every gift. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. I'll be honest here. There are, there are a lot of ways that, the, that that part of Paul's writing here to the Corinthians, there's a lot of ways that this gets interpreted. I think there's some right ways and some wrong ways. I think most likely what it seems to be happening here is Paul is arguing for people to desire gifts that build up the community around them. There is a chance, as we're looking at this, that this Corinthian church, they had become really consumed with the idea of speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. And what happened is, is as they're doing that, they're not edifying and building up the people around them. 
they're, they're just, they're not really acting in love towards other people. They're just trying to execute some spiritual gifts so that people are like, oh, that's really awesome that you've got that. Now, what he's not really saying here is that love is necessarily the greater gift. Love isn't necessarily a gift, what he's saying here, but he is saying that we need to live in the spirit and, and execute the gifts with love. All of these spiritual gifts that God gives to us, we're, we're supposed to, to showcase them in love. So that gets us to this first verse in chapter 13, where he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I love this verse. This verse has always been like, it's kind of funny. If, when you put the imagery into your head. Um, I remember a time I went to, on a missions trip, trip to Buenos Aires, Argentina. You got to say it the right way like I just said it. I always feel really weird when I do it. Um, I was at a, a Mexican restaurant a couple weeks ago, and I, I was looking at the, uh, the, the thing I wanted to eat. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was completely in Spanish. And I studied it for like five minutes because I wanted to tell the waitress exactly in perfect, like rolling the R's and everything. And I did. And I rolled the R's perfectly. Everything was good. And she was like, wow. I was like, yeah. Uh, my wife is a quarter Mexican. That's where that came from. She is actually a quarter Mexican. So um, I don't know Spanish very well. I don't know it well enough to speak it. I can't preach it. And so what happened was we get there um, and they asked me to preach, like, two different places. I was going to preach in, in Argentina. And now I know it just, I, I know just enough Spanish to make me really dangerous. I've probably said this before, but uh, when we were there, I, I was trying to ask this lady. They had taken our clothes and, and washed them. And I was, like, trying to ask her if they had cleaned our clothes yet. And somehow I told her that she needed to clean her pants. I don't, I don't know how I did that. But if I were to get up and try to, to preach in Spanish, it would have been really awful. Um, but even worse, what if I had just gotten up to, to preach, and I just preached in English, and there was nobody there to actually translate it for me? It actually would have been really an unloving thing to do for the people there. It, it would have done them no good whatsoever. I would have sounded to them like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have understood it. And so part of what Paul is saying, what, what love is, is it is speaking to people in a way that they understand. Speak to people in a way that they can understand. I've been to churches where the pastor made no sense. He was coming at people from this high position, trying to sound theologically eloquent in every way. And it's like, you didn't give us anything that we can take. It doesn't do us any good. Sometimes I wonder if, as Christians, are we doing the job of connecting with people, of actually speaking to them in a language that they understand? Or are we so worried about sounding and looking spiritual that, that we have no connection with them whatsoever? Are we speaking to the needs of the people around us? Here's what Paul is saying in these first couple verses, I think. He's saying, looking and sounding spiritual means nothing if people aren't catching our love for them. There's a lot of times where we can look and sound spiritual, but it does no good for anybody. I want to give you a little, maybe a clear thought on, on that. So I, this is going to make some of, it's going to make me an enemy of some of, of you, I think. Okay. I don't really love Christian radio. I just, it's not my thing so much. Um, so much so to the point that when, we, when Christian radio is on in the car, um, the, the song gets done, and they're, they're about to, to go and say something, and, I'm, and I find a way to turn it. My wife gets so annoyed at me for it. 
But here's the thing. I think Christian-based music, as great as it is and we need it, a lot of it's made just for Christians. I think there are some Christians out there who they're writing music that's trying to speak to people who aren't Christians. It's giving a sound or it's, it's saying things in a way that's trying to speak to people who don't know Jesus. But a lot of our Christian music, it is, it is for us. It's for us to hear. Is that a bad thing? No, we need, man, we need music that glorifies God. So don't come up to me and be like, I can't believe you're a pastor. Don't do it. I think it's good, okay? Uh, but it's not always for me. And it's, I don't think it's for a lot of non-Christian people, if I'm being really honest. Ask yourself this. Do I appeal to people who aren't following Jesus? Or do they just see me as someone so different that it's like they can't even speak the same language? Maybe Christian music is like that. Maybe, maybe it just doesn't speak the same language to people who don't know Jesus. But is my life speaking a language that people who don't know Jesus can actually connect with me on? The only way that we're going to get people to see what the love of Jesus looks like is if we can connect with them on a level where they know absolutely that they are loved as they are. We need to go out of our way to show people that no matter what, they are loved just as they are. And so there was, uh, I, I, again, I may have told this story before. I know I've told it to our youth group. I, I get mixed up who I've told it to sometimes. But um, there was a, a kid that I grew up with, and we absolutely hated each other. We both loved the game of basketball. And we both wanted to be better at, at the game of basketball than each other. And so we just hated each other. And when I was about 26 years old, I moved back to my hometown. And, and this, this guy was living there. And he'd actually become an MMA cage fighter. He could beat me up really easily, okay? Um, and the place where they would do these MMA cage fights, it was out at the casino on the reservation. And I'll be honest with you, a, a casino, it's not, the, it's not the place where I'm most comfortable. I'm like a fish out of water at a casino. But this kid was going to be fighting there. And God had been working on my heart to try to build a relationship with him. We're living in the same town again now. Like, let's build some relationships. And so me and my dad, we go to the casino to watch this kid in this MMA fight. And at the end of the fight, he actually walks by me. He sees me. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen a guy's eyes get so big. Like he knew this was a weird place for him to see me at. But I wanted to make a connection. I wanted to speak to him on his level. Now, I don't like to, to tell stories where, where I look like the good guy. Usually I try to make myself look like the bad guy. This is maybe one thing in my life that I did good, okay? And so I went there. And from that moment on, there was a relationship that got built. Him and I connected. He's a, he's a guy that I pray for uh, just about every day when I go for a run in the morning. Uh, I believe that God has asked me to try to connect with him on his level, to speak his language. Now, it doesn't mean that we go out and we do abs absolutely everything that we have to do, even if it's stuff that we don't agree with. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to go around and be cussing with somebody just because they're cussing. Now, here's what I do believe. They sure better believe that they can, they can be themselves and maybe they can even cuss around me and not feel bad about it. I know that might sound really, really bad, but people should feel like they can be themselves around us. Sure, maybe not with the kids around, be saying all those words, but people should be comfortable to be themselves around you. Are they comfortable to be themselves around you? I hate it when people find out that I'm a pastor and then they say, oh man, I'm so sorry about those things I said. I'm like, I don't care. Sometimes I want to say the same words just so they chill out a little bit. Sometimes I maybe have, I don't know. Um, but do people feel comfortable speaking their language with you, being who they are, warts and all? Kind of goes back to some of what we talked about last week. 
Jesus was okay with people, warts and all, and didn't feel like he had to correct them right away. Or ever, if it didn't come up. People are only going to feel that they can be themselves around us if we are actually loving them in a way that speaks to them. If all we want to do is love people the way that we feel we should love them or, or the way that we feel like they need to be loved, we're probably going to miss something. Now, somebody might say, hey, Kellen, you, you talked a lot about relationships with people who don't know Jesus. In this passage, 1 Corinthians, he's really talking about our relationships with people in the church. He's not talking about relationships outside. This is about relationships in the church. And so you messed up. Okay, you'd probably be a little bit right. But I would also ask the question, how in the world can we not apply this to people outside the church? That we should be loving them in this kind of way that Paul's talking about. That unless we connect with them, we're like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We have to be able to connect with people who don't follow Jesus. Or those people are never going to get to a place where they follow Jesus. Paul doesn't care if you look spiritual. He wants you to look loving. I'd say Jesus would say the same thing probably. Doesn't care if we look spiritual. He wants us to look loving. I know that there would be people that I've known in my life, growing up in the church, who would have looked down on me for going out to the casino that night to watch this fight that this now friend of mine was in. Now I'll be honest with you. I think the only people that would be mad about something like that are people in the church sometimes. We've got to be really careful about how we view what it looks like to love somebody else that doesn't know Jesus. Sometimes it looks like doing things that other people might not actually be so, super comfortable with. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about this. He talks about surprising people in the way that we choose to love others. He says, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, but listen to what he says. Though I am not free, I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. He's saying, I can't just go and do whatever I want, but so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This right here is a, is a picture. It's an image of the love that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. It's why we go to Wilson Elementary to, to tell kids about the love of Jesus in an after-school program because they need Jesus just like anybody else. We love them. We love them without this idea that, that we're more spiritual than them. We love them with the idea that just as much as I need Jesus, you need him too. And he's offering himself to you for free. It's why we serve families in the foster care system. We want to show them that, yes, you are valued. You are highly esteemed and cared for and loved. You're worth the effort just the way that Jesus says that I was worth the effort and why he went to the cross for me. It's why you should have friends that are actually far from Jesus. It's important for us. Hang out with people who are unlike you. Hang out with people who think a little bit differently than you and love them exactly as they are. See, I don't think Paul won people to Jesus by manipulating them, uh, by just kind of putting up with them. He stepped into their life. 
he spoke to them something that actually mattered to them, spoke into their lives, showed them what love looked like. But Paul didn't just uh, point out that we need to love better instead of just looking spiritual. It wasn't just about that. He also says that we need to make a point to understand that just doing good in the world, it doesn't matter if we also don't have love. There's a lot of times, man, we're just, we're trying to do a lot of good. We're trying to, to do all the right things. And sometimes we forget to love people well in those moments. First Corinthians 13, three, he says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I think Paul is saying something that it sounds a little bit like we've probably heard somebody say in the past. Sometimes people say this, people don't care about how much you know or do until they know how much you care. Anybody ever come up to you and try to tell you like all the stuff that they do and you're like, I don't care. Like stop talking to me about it. People don't, people don't care about what you've done if, until they care about what you, and let me, I'm going to add this. I think even when they know that you care, they still don't care about what you do half the time. My wife, I think she could care less about any accomplishment I ever have in life. If I am not loving people well around me, she is annoyed with me, as she should be. She knows, she knows what's most important for me. And she's that, she's that gauge, that barometer for me that hopefully keeps me in line as much as possible. How many of you have been unimpressed by... Uh, after meeting somebody that, that you looked up to for a really long time, maybe that little kid who's looked up to this star athlete for a really long time and finally has a chance standing in the line waiting to meet him and the dude just walks right by and totally ignores this kid. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Or what about the, the spiritual giant that you always looked up to and you had that moment to meet him and, you're, and you were actually let down quite a bit? That one terrifies me. Man, last, last thing I want to do is be up on a stage telling truths from scripture and then come off looking like a jerk. But here's the thing. If you hang out with me for one or three seconds, you're going to figure out that I'm going to let you down at some point. I let myself down 14 times a day, at least. We all are going to let each other down, ourselves down. We are going to mess up at loving the right way. But as much as we can continue, we need to, we need to keep this kind of love that Paul's talking about. We need to keep it at the forefront of our minds. Nothing I do will matter if I choose not to love. And any good that I do can be destroyed should I choose not to love. Every bit of it's for nothing. Before we're done here, I actually want to share a quick story. This, is, uh, this comes from one of our pastors at, in Beloit. We were in our teaching team meeting and talking through this, this passage on 1 Corinthians 13. And he shared a story that um, it for whatever reason, I was, I was looking at it uh, as I was preparing this, the, the message, and it just it stuck at me. I know when he was saying it, it stuck at me too, but he said this. During a memorial service, he'll often ask questions like this. How would you describe this person that we're honoring today in one word? What would you say? He says it's fascinating the responses that he's gotten over the years. Some of them are really good. Some of them haven't been quite so good. Uh, but he says the best answer that he ever received was, the word I think about with this person is approachable. That's a really good word. That's an awesome thing to, to be remembered for in the moment that you're no longer on this earth. Something that I, I would wish that people would say about me. Here's the thing, I know. I, people have come to my face and been like, you're not very approachable. So I know that there's times in my life where I'm not very approachable. Some of you have probably felt that before. But the idea of being approachable 
There's something so wholesome and so beautiful and such an example of, of 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. And, and David, our, our pastor in Beloit, David Meeting, who was the one that shared this story, he said that this, this hit him so much that he wrote something and he put it in his Bible. And it said, he put this in the front of his Bible, it says, may I live my life in such a way that when someone is asked to describe my life in one word, may they say of me, he was approachable. Jesus was approachable. Jesus met people where they were at. Jesus loved people and spoke into their lives things that actually mattered to their lives. There was never a time where Jesus spoke and it was like this resounding gong or clanging cymbal and he was just speaking nonsense. He spoke into their lives. He wasn't irritating like that clanging cymbal. He didn't think too highly of himself. Approachable is relational. And, and even the little children knew it. Matthew 19, it says, Then the children were brought, brought to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them to pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Even little kids understood that this Jesus walking around the world is approachable. I can come to him. Jesus is approachable. And the reason is, is because he loves us exactly where we're at. So I just, I want to pose the question to you. Are you approachable? Do you love people well, meeting them where they are at? Do you lay aside your spiritual highness so that you can love a person, maybe the most wayward sinner that you know? I think Paul's given us a way that we are called to live that makes us worth following. And the way that we live that makes us worth following is loving like he's talking about. There were a lot of people that didn't see Jesus as the kind of leader that they should follow. The religious leaders, they looked at Jesus and they did, they did not see a spiritual person. They looked at Jesus and they saw a threat. But Jesus didn't care about looking like the spiritual one to everybody. All that Jesus cared about was looking like the one who loved them well. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be trying to impress people by being this spiritual person that they look to. I want people to see the love that I have for them. I want people to see that no matter where they're at, the love that we have for them is actually real. Jesus didn't change the world through strength or through political power. The way that Jesus changed the world, the way that he changed individual hearts was through an incredible degree of love. A love that was so perfect and so intense that he was willing to go to a cross and die for you and me. To, to even die for the people who were actively choosing at that moment to take his life. And I wonder, has that kind of love overtaken your heart? That kind of sacrificial, grace-filled kind of love? Do you care more about people knowing your love for them than people knowing the things that you have done good in your life. We've been talking about taking next steps lately. There's probably a next step for each one of us this morning. Uh, maybe you realize that you've been willing to, haven't been willing to speak the language of the people around you very well. The things that you're saying to them, you're not connecting with their life. You're not connecting the love of Jesus to their life. You let your anger and your, your disdain for that person's actions keep you from loving them well. Maybe today your next step is to simply ask God for forgiveness. 
Ask God to give you a heart for people that even in spite of the way that they act and they respond in life, that you would find a way to love them the way that Jesus loves them. That you would connect with them for real. Maybe you're so focused on your family and you're focused on your your job and you're focused on all these other ways that you could have success in this world. Just so that somebody say, man, he's so successful. Man, she's doing so well with her life. But maybe at, at the expense of all that, you've actually forgotten to love people in the midst of that path that you're on. And it's easy for that to happen. It's crazy. Like, I, I love how Eric, used, he, he always say it this way. I'm, I'm a professional Christian. I'm paid to write a sermon for, for Sunday mornings. And I can be at church working on this sermon, working really hard, trying to be successful at it. And I can go home and be an absolute bear to my wife and my kids. We try so hard to be successful at the things that don't matter as much. And then we go home and the people that we're supposed to love more than anybody, we we let that go out the window. We all do this. The thing that we have to be most successful at in this life, it's loving people. And sometimes maybe you're like, man, why do we talk about love at church again? It's like we all talk about. It's because we're not that good at it always. And we need to, we need to let Jesus shift our focus. We need to let Jesus continue to work on on our heart of compassion and love for people. We're never going to do it on our own. We have to go to Jesus today and ask him to help us love the way that he loves. We have to make a decision though that we're going to try. Because the truth is what this passage is saying is without love we have nothing. Today I want us to pray for that kind of love. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that I did a lot of things really well. I had some successes. But I didn't love people the way I was supposed to. There is not a greater failure that we can find in life than that. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.